Hey y'all, welcome back to the Blonde Misfit Podcast. I'm Jamee. Y'all already knew that though. Um, welcome back, child. If it's your first time, hello. How you doing? What's good? And if it's not, thank you so much for coming on back. You guys might notice that I might sound a little different. That's because I'm trying to make sure that my microphone is fully set up and functioning. But also, I'm looking in the camera because I have tried to do it where all of my actual podcast episodes also can go up on the YouTube channel. Which, by the way, if you did not know, I have a YouTube channel. Go on and subscribe if you're on the podcast. And if you out here watching the video, you like, girl, I'm already on YouTube. I'm watching. Go on and subscribe too. Just because you watching the video don't mean that you subscribe. I know how y'all be acting. I know how y'all be doing. Go on and hit that subscribe button. It's somewhere in the ether. I don't know. And if you're on Apple Podcasts, you can leave us a five-star rating and a review, baby. In fact, it don't even matter. I'm going to make it easy for you. If you listen on the podcast, I'm going to drop the YouTube in the description. And if you're watching me on YouTube, I'm going to drop the podcast down in the description box. There we go. We all a family. Kumbaya all up in this misfit house. Period. And that's on period. Bitch. So today's episode is really, really special to me, y'all. Because at least on the day that it's going out, it's going to be Juneteenth. And Juneteenth is, um, I think a holiday that more people are getting hit to this year, obviously because everything with like the Black Lives Matter movement and people just talking about like just the need for black representation and for us to really just be seen. I think people are really starting to go back into history and share and drop these gems, which your girl is thankful for because I'm really, really tired that in 2020, we're still being lied to about our history. Black people are still not being told everything that like pertains to us as history. And then like also the mainstream don't know, like we're grown now. We don't need to act baby like that no more. You know what I'm saying? I'm really, really hyped to do this episode because Juneteenth is, for those of you who don't know, if you don't know, I'm not judging. Um, also I'm going to have some additional resources so that you can do some research on this topic if you are not hip. But Juneteenth is actually the oldest recognized date that of actual abolishment of slavery in the U.S. So here's the tea. Abraham Lincoln signed that Emancipation Proclamation, yada, 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 back in like 1862, 1863. I think it was 1863, like January 1st. Slaves down south where there was no like union, like part of the union, you know, union in the Confederacy, where there were no union troops were still under slave rule. And so you had a lot of people who were still enslaved. So while everyone out here celebrating on this 4th of July and everybody out here um, with the Declaration of Independence and celebrating the 4th and thinking that that was really the day of freedom, nah fam. Black people did not get free until an additional two and a half years after the Emancipation Proclamation was signed. So, just to give y'all some context, one more time, let's reel it back. Whoop, whoop, whoop. We're going to go back a little bit and then we're going to just reiterate. America says that we were free on July 4th, like 1776. They were free. Abraham Lincoln signed the Emancipation Proclamation January 1st, 1863, saying the black folk are free. But really, it wasn't until June 19th 1865 that 
um, one of the generals, I forget his name off the top of my head, went down to Galveston, Texas, and told people down there that the Civil War was had ended and that slaves were free. So I just like to put that timeline out there because we always say, okay, freedom, freedom, freedom. But for real, for real, black people were not even freed until close to 100 years later. And with everything that we're seeing today, with the protests, with life, with what's happening internally and externally in these companies and stuff, we are still not free. We're free because we may not have a physical chain around us. And even that could be debatable. But there's still so much of a mental chain that is held around us every single day for being black in America. And I don't know, like I'm, I am not a political person. I say that like, and then I immediately regret it because I'm very much so impolitical. I have very strong political thoughts. I am very much so an activist in my own way and sense of the word. But like, I'm, I'm saying like, I'm not the girl who like you sit down with and talk about like Congress and like the Senate and House of Representatives and stuff with like that. Like, no, nah, like I was not, I, I barely got through government in school and <laughs> like I got through by the skin of my teeth. So thank you. Shout out to my government professor who helped us out. Ooh, cause your girl was not, your girl was not called an anointed. Um, but I am someone who does see that activism can happen at all stages of this race. Protesting is one form of activism, but it's not all types of activism. But that being said, everyone has to find their own. And so I do see myself as political in that way. But I do think that everyone has a platform. And with whatever your platform is, like that's exactly how you get the word out. That's how you talk to people. That's how you um, get people hype. And that's how you get people educated. I send emails to my counterparts and talk to people all the time about what it is to be black in America and what it is that we need for allyship and what it is that we need to be supported and what it is to really be in an inclusive world. And that is activism. Like I say that because one might think that this Juneteenth episode is very off course to what, um, I would normally cover in a fashion and beauty space. But for real, for real, if we're not talking about us all being free, then what good are any of these other topics? What good is this line in this collection or this brand and its gender inclusive makeup if we really are not talking about how people are dying in the streets every single day simply because of the color of their skin? That people can have videotapes and filmed footage and hashtags and constant constant eyes on a, on a situation and still not be brought to justice like what what why does any of the other stuff matter at that point and it's been wild to me because I have struggled with this honestly I started with the struggle I think probably back in like March early April um, when I first started my new job but then also with COVID and um, I was really going through what I what I now understand to be like survivor's guilt, feeling guilty about 
thriving and being in this space of joy while so many of my counterparts in media and black counterparts in particular were suffering and getting laid off and having cutbacks with salaries and all these different things in, in like in their line of like of the, in their line of work and so even at that time I was very intentional about the types of pitches that I wanted to receive the types of pitches I wanted to respond to and the type of content that I wanted to write thankfully some PR people got the hint some some people picked up that, okay, maybe now is not the time for me to talk about all the beautiful shoes that you need for spring or the cute little summer dresses that you need to go out on for a date, considering we all locked up in the house and nobody going out for dates and we got our bonnets on and our face masks and that's about as much self-care as many of us are getting. Others on the other hand, are like that child in like kindergarten that you know like there's a good diamond in there, but it's really dusty with a lot of coal at the moment, okay? Shout out to you if you was that kid. I was not, so I mean, I cannot relate. Um, don't argue with me, argue with your mama. There are some people in the industry who really were like, okay, I'm gonna, um, still try to swoop in and and sell you this this lifestyle and this vibe and don't get me wrong i get it there are some things that like work still got to get done i still have commerce and revenue goals to hit i still have editorial things that i have to hit for my job i still have things that i have to do for my site i still have to have things i have to do for my social media accounts i still have bills i gotta pay so i get it i get the hustle i get the grind but there's definitely like a tone deafness that I think was immediately recognized um, during the height of COVID that you saw people who just completely dismissed the pain and suffering that people were going through that we had what, at, 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 at some point, what, like 40 million people in America on unemployment. And I say all of that to say that that is when it started. But then when the... I say, I think the, the remembrance of the lack of respect around black and brown bodies, particularly black bodies. I, I say black and brown often because it is important to me to also represent and, and speak to the lack of representation for Asian Latinx communities. Um, but in this particular case, this is black 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 blackity black blacke black noir black okay cool just gonna clarify that we had Ahmaud Arbery and then we had and we had George Floyd we also had Breonna Taylor those three became the I would say the holy trifecta of the re renaissance of the Black Lives Matter movement and I'll never forget that I was still working in DC. I was working in heart and like in in like on the news side of of a of a print publication when Black Lives Matter first began to pick up. And you had Trayvon, and then you had um, Philando, and then you had um, Alton Sterling. You had this constant remembrance every single day when you would come into the newsroom and be surrounded by your white peers that the things that plagued you and hurt you emotionally had really no emotional bearing on them. They could sympathize from a human aspect, 
But after that, it was like, almost like, well, why would you grieve over someone who is not your family, who you never really knew? And so to see Ahmaud Arbery and Breonna Taylor and George Floyd come back up was a gentle reminder that there is a grief and a pain that black people have, we have carried for years and that we continue to carry. And then to see the insensitivity that would then come out of um, PR agencies and firms and all of these fashion brands. See, I'm bringing it back to y'all because y'all wondering what does activism and protest have to do with fashion and beauty? Don't worry, I'm coming down your corner real quick. You had fashion brands out here who never cast black models <laughs> who have never had a black person on their team, who has never had a person of power be also a person of color, all of a sudden saying black lives matter. You had them posting on their social media, those black squares, and then after the black square for their day of solidarity, that was it. Never heard nothing else about anything else. Now you have all of these brands that are, have also been guilted into spending money and giving to um, the NAACP and like every Negro fund. If you got the word Negro in there, they don't, they throwing money at it. Just anything, just put Negro on there and it's money. And <laughs> like, it's actually very wild. Um, but you have this moment where there is nothing but full on transparency and clarity about just how much people want to commodify black pain. People want to commodify black pain. You have white clothing brands throwing Black Lives Matter on a, as a hashtag on a shirt and trying to sell it to you. And you know who they're trying to sell it to. They're trying to sell it back to the same people of whom has been hurt by an oppressed system. It is like the oppressor taking the pain of the oppressed putting a cute little bow on it and then selling it back to the oppressed and saying that it is in solidarity. It is performative, it is whack, it is stupid, and it is what we are seeing. Then you have internally at a lot of corporations, I do see the wheels turning. I can't say that for other parts of media. I can't say that for other companies that I've worked for. I can't say that for um, other organizations that I've been a part of. And it is what it is. You know, I don't call people out. I just let, I just let the, uh, what's the saying? Like the, the cream rise to the top, the something, something, something rising child. I don't know what it is, but something, okay? Anywho. You even see that struggle happening internally where across the board and in media in particular, black and brown people tend to inhabit the lower tiered positions in a company. You don't get a lot of people, uh, you don't get a lot of black people who are editors. I mean, even in thinking right now off the top of my head, I could probably name the majority of black editors, black fashion and black beauty editors um, at your major publications you don't get us in managerial levels overseeing the futures and the destinies technically of other people. You certainly don't see us at like the C-suite level, the C-suite and up executive leadership and VPs. And she is one of only two black women who is currently a CEO of a fortune 500 company. The reason why you can remember a name like that and you can remember a stat like that is because it's come so few and far between that 
it's almost an anomaly. So it's like, whoa, of course I can remember her name. Of course I can remember this. Of course I can remember that because it doesn't happen with the frequency that if all of a sudden you were to ask me, okay, name all of the white male CEOs of Fortune 500 companies, child, I wouldn't even know where to start because there's so many of them. I don't even know if it's 500. I was like, look, that's how ignorant I am. I was like, a Fortune 500 means it's one of 500 companies that does X, Y, and Z. And I don't even think that's what it is, but we just gonna say that's what it is for now, okay? <laughs> but my point is, we are not seen and represented in these higher up positions in these higher up spaces. And so even in everything that has happened, that has also ripped that bandaid off from the inside of companies. So there's a fight happening internally. There's a fight happening externally on the streets. Not to mention, let us remember that COVID sis has a wrath. She is like a gem. She's, I don't know. She's a Scorpio. She definitely is, gives me Scorpio vibes because sis just be wildin'. And um, shout out to all the Scorpios out there. I love y'all like internally from a distance, but I love y'all. Um, so people out here marching and fighting in the streets and literally f protesting for black lives in this in, while also being in the midst of a global pandemic still. And then to top it all off, because I wanna round this out because I want us to get back into the understanding of Juneteenth and its importance. We are still dying. When we started these protests, it was those three names in particular who we wanted to highlight. But since then, you have had Tony McDad, you've had two transgender women killed. We've had a black woman who was on the fighting lines and fighting for black men and the cause of black lives apparently murdered although she had previously filed assault charges and now it's like, okay, but who was there to protect her? There is still a fight to see that black trans lives matter and that they are part of the black lives matter movement. There is still somehow a negation of black LGBTQ people in this larger scope of black lives matter. You still have people who and I, and I know because I've, I've encountered it recently myself, people who want to sympathize with a Black Lives Matter sentiment by then saying, okay, yes, but all lives matter. Like still, still, we're still starting here. We're talking about allyship and we're talking about partnership and we're talking about how do we break down these systemic tools that have plagued America for 400 plus years and people are still saying, okay, I think I, I get it. Like, like take the training wheels off, I got it and sis and bro don't have it. Mind you these names and the names that I'm, the names I would say that I'm putting down below and then the few that I just mentioned, not to mention the four black men that have been found hung from trees over the past week have all happened since the protests started. So while we sat around and hundreds of thousands of us live streamed George Floyd's funeral and we clapped and we cheered while 
um, countries outside of America recognize this man's name and recognize him as a martyr and have given him and his family flowers. You know, his his children will be taken care of uh, financially. His family will be taken care of financially. They know that his name will go down in the history books. It was just a small glimmer of a second for us to feel somewhat of a catharticism, cathartic moment, whatever, a feel good moment in pain before we were slowly reminded once again of our blackness. There are so many moments that seeing black people dying is just become so normalized that we are still asking black employees to come to work and work every day and hold in that trauma and that pain. Because let me tell y'all something, and this is just my personal opinion. So, I mean, if you don't agree, then that's cool. You know, you can get yourself a podcast and then share me with me your sentiment. Everybody wants these safe spaces and they want black people to let out how we're feeling. I'm willing to bet the $10 I have on my nightstand, y'all don't want to know. Y'all really do not want black people to fully rip off the bandaid and fully expose the anger and the pain and the frustration that we have held in. I will never forget, I was reading um a text one time not like a text like somebody texts me but like text like words like and a black man was talking with a muslim man and the muslim man was saying how he commended the strength of black people because he knew that if this had happened if the years and years and years of, of discrimination and of prejudices and of racism had happened in their community, that they would have resulted to violence a long, long time ago. Like blood in the street, like it's like it's like it's a wrap. Let's let's go. And I never will forget that text. And I'm if I can recall what it is, because I feel like I know what it is, but I don't want to say words and then look foolish. <laughs> but I'll never forget that because I thought to myself, yo, people out here in the world really looking at black people like, sis, what are you doing? You are still turning the other cheek. You are still somehow able to function and normalize life you are still able to find joy that is why black girl magic black boy joy are things because there is no other way that one can go through systematic trauma generation over generation over generation black women scientifically it has been proven that black women hold trauma in our blood and in our dna trauma literally runs through us from the moment that we take our first breath in this world to the moment that we die that we still find joy and we still find happiness and i mean happiness is one thing happiness but happiness is circumstantial a lot of us are not happy right now, but there are some of us who have still been able to exert joy. I know that I have joy. And in fact, many days I have happiness. The majority of days, I still try to find happiness. I cannot promise you that that is every day, 
But I find happiness and I find joy because to me, I understand that one, God is still with me. He's still carrying me through. He's still carrying us through as a community, as a people, even as a nation, as divided and as wild out as we are right now. Like God still is in the presence and in the midst of in the midst of of our of our protection, I should say. Because I don't believe that he is in the midst of chaos. When there's chaos, God is like tripped out. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, y'all ain't invite me to this party. And U.S. is real chaotic right now. So I think, like, I don't know. Someone forgot to send, you know, Jesus the, the invite. But I do understand that tomorrow, that there is always a tomorrow that will hopefully be better. And one day it has to be. And I don't mean like a literal tomorrow. I mean like a tomorrow as in like an unforeseen time in the future. I also understand that I am privileged in the fact that I have a platform. I have multiple platforms that I can talk about these things and exert my frustration and exert what I hope to change and exert what I think that the industry should be doing. in very visible ways that other people don't. I understand that I also have privilege because I have a job that allows me to be able to afford certain projects that I'm working on and the things that I'm doing and the things that I'm passionate about. And I don't take that lightly because I remember that year to year, day to day struggle of trying to make sure that you have money for the bills and then make sure you have money for this and make sure you had money for that. Like I know what that feels like and I know what that is and I I I think it's just very important to recognize that that we all have some levels and forms of privilege that we can operate from but what are you doing to use that privilege or to use that platform and hopefully evoke change I'll end with this because Juneteenth should be a celebration I don't want to take away from that and I don't want to take away from the happiness and the joy of what we can potentially celebrate. A couple of months ago, I pitched to a major fashion publication, again, not going to say the name, uh, a story that I wanted to write. And the story would, because if I tell y'all too many details, y'all going to guess what the story was. And then y'all going to research and see like who did the story. And then y'all going to be like, oh my God, I know who Jermaine talking about. Um, But pretty much it was a story that was going to evaluate the social inequities around black people and a very particular aspect of the fashion industry there. That's all I'm going to say. Okay. If y'all leaned in real close because you're trying to find out the tea, ain't no tea over here, okay? Also, if you hear them sounds in the back, it's because these Negroes have been doing these fireworks. Y'all, where are y'all getting these? Hold on. Cut to commercial. Where are y'all getting these fireworks from? Y'all have been doing these fireworks since, like, I don't know, like, May. First of all, aren't fireworks illegal in New York? But then most importantly, where are y'all getting like the stash from? Like who is swinging by y'all's neighborhood and dropping off the stashes of fireworks every day? I don't understand because y'all really don't be running out. Y'all clearly 
got fireworks on fireworks on fireworks and now i'm concerned because i don't even want to come up into your house go down to someone's basement and it's out here looking like world war three with the fireworks like nah i'm good fam i don't know whatever it is stop it please black folk after juneteenth no more fireworks please y'all really want to be patriotic don't bring them out for the fourth okay that's it okay cool back to back to the show so i wanted to do this story right and I pitched it to the editor of the publication that I wanted to write it for. They got back to me and said that they thought it was really dope, but they weren't taking on freelancers at the moment because of COVID, Coronita, you know, all that good stuff. And so they said, well, circle back in a little bit, like in a couple months, a couple weeks, couple months, whatever. And let's see if we can find placement for the story. If you haven't already found a home for it. So I'm like, all right, cool, bet. Feeling real good, like, yeah, they like the story. I already know who my talent would be. I already know this, I already know that. So I wake up this, I wake, well, I wake up this week and I go and I see on the site that they have pretty much done a story exactly how I wanted it to be covered. The only difference I will say, and this is why like, I'm not saying this is a plagiarism thing at all. Um, it could have been, but I'm just gonna give them the benefit of the doubt. The only difference was, whereas mine was gonna predominantly focus on the effects um, during COVID, this story focused on the effects of, uh, with, with also the inclusion of the Black Lives Matter movement. So how do you hit these industries that are omitting black people in the fashion space um, with context of the inequities that have existed to us around COVID, but then also around Black Lives Matter, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Cool. No, y'all y'all following, following what I'm saying. So it wasn't to me the fact that the story was written. It was the fact that the story was written by a non-POC, non-black, AKA white journalist. And this whole story centers around the reclamation of power to be given to black people. So in my head, I was thinking to myself, well, isn't that crazy that a story that is supposed to be around reclaiming black people's power in what is whitewashed and white heavily influenced by white people industries would then be assigned to a white journalist to be able to prescribe the antidote for that so i had to hit them up i had to send them an email and the reason why i'm telling y'all this story is because activism is not cute activism isn't always going to be cute it's not always going to be instagram worthy it's not always going to be pretty for them photos and them flicks you're not always gonna feel good when you after you've done the work. But I had to hit them up and just be like, yo, like you you say you wanna create opportunities for people. You say you wanna create these safe spaces. You say you wanna give these seats at the table and yet you just missed the mark. Why didn't you give this story to a black journalist? A black person who would have reported on it and could have either lended their own expertise because they might have been um, a person who also works in the fashion industry or just their lens and their scope of understanding because they're black. Now, I haven't received a response 
into <laughs> that email. I don't know if I will. Um, but it was very important for me to call these brands out because they think that they're standing in allyship and they're still not getting the picture. You can't give the oppressor. And I'm like, I know people don't like that word because they think, oh my God, like that was my great granny. That wasn't me. Calm down. Y'all know what I mean. You can't give the oppressor the mic and ask the oppressor how for how can the oppressed stop being oppressed? That is not how it works. That doesn't even make sense. That doesn't even like, listen, Linda, listen. Like that doesn't even compute in my mind. You do not give the master a microphone and a platform and tell them how a slave can be free. You sit the master down, tell them to be quiet, let the slave stand up and demand of the master what the slave needs, both for physical freedom, as well as mental, emotional, spiritual reparations. Because we all know and we have seen firsthand that even after the physical enslavement is done, there's still a shit ton of work to do afterward. In this case, if we're talking about opportunities, we have to be able to give the mic to the people who are feeling it and who are in the trenches and who feel this every single day. I don't care about your master's degrees. I don't care about your journalism. I don't care where you went to school. I don't care how, what bylines you have. I don't care how many TV segments you've done. I don't care how articulate or non-articulate that you are. A true ally has to understand that you have to sometimes be okay with knowing that you are wrong and that it is time to finally give a chance to the people who have long been out of the light an opportunity to walk into the light. And that's all I'll say about that because I could go on and on and on. It was just very flustering to me that uh, something that's what looked like such a a pristine opportunity for um, someone of our community to take part of. Didn't even have to be me. Didn't care if it was me or not. I'm good. Um, but someone from our community to contribute to that they did not even see a problem in giving that platform to someone who really didn't need it. But I say all of these things to say that this year, as you celebrate Juneteenth, as you find ways to reinvigorate and reignite your state of activism and protest and what you want out of this world and what you want to be able to put into it and what you want to demand for change and stuff, understand that you do have a platform, that you do have a responsibility for that platform, and that most importantly that change doesn't happen overnight, but even baby steps will get you up the mountain. That is something that I have had to grapple with, with myself as someone who sort of just wants to go from zero to 100, 24 seven. Like I'm not the girl who's like, oh my God, like I'll slow down. Like, nah, I'm, I'm on 100, 24 seven. But I've had to learn that even in this season, you can't always be at 100. And that sometimes it pays to slow down a little bit 
Because when you slow down, you allow other people who are a little slower than you to catch on up and then y'all go together. So if you are taking off from work this year, even if you're not and you're listening to this episode later, if you're not even listening to this episode on Juneteenth, but you listen to it afterward and you felt inspired, um, hit me up on social media. I'm at the blonde misfit on Instagram and Twitter. Um, if you type the blonde misfit on YouTube, you'll find a YouTube channel. Obviously the website is the blonde and just let me know, like, what is your state of activism right now? What are you doing right now that you feel like you will be able to say that you are proud of when this is all said and done? And furthermore, what is it that you need right now? What is something that you want like others to know? I know that there has been a lot of discussions in my intimate and also my professional groups about what allyship really looks like and what allies need to know about how to foster that. I know I have my own personal feelings about what I think allyship looks like, but the thing about allyship is it is as unique as the individual people that it seeks to quote unquote help. So I would love to know from y'all, what are y'all's thoughts? What do y'all think? Um, leave them down in, in like the, in, uh, I was gonna say in the description. If you watch it on YouTube, you can leave them down in the description. If you uh, listen on the podcast, hit me up on all of my other stuff. And uh, yeah, so I wanted to just give y'all a little bit of context into politi- political awareness, activism, Juneteenth, a little bit of this, a little bit of that, you know, also get y'all a little caught up to speed about where I've been, um, and stuff. So, I mean, next week we will return back to quote unquote regularly scheduled program, but Lord, the whole 168 hours, I don't know what the world got for us in there, but, um, y'all stay blessed, stay protected out here. Please stay mentally and spiritually protected and grounded like whatever that looks like for you do it I've been in therapy which I think has been helping me a lot um in fact I'm actually going to also leave that my therapy resources down below as well both actual resources you can check out but also if you're into virtual and online therapy um just because you can't actually get to your real therapist in the meantime really really amazing opportunity gonna drop it down below uh and stuff so yeah I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. I know it's a little different and y'all don't kind of see me get like politically hyped sometimes, but I think it's very important to understand that um, first and foremost, before anything else, I am black. I am black. I've always been black. I will die black. <laughs> um, the Blonde Misfit was was started to, to highlight black and brown voices, but if you go on the site, you see black. If you listen to the podcast, black. If you listen to any of my previous talks or podcast episodes or interviews, black. So let's not make no mistake about that. Um, not to say none of y'all tried me because I think y'all know not to try it. But like, I just wanted to clarify. Um, <laughs> but in the meantime, y'all, like for real, for real, stay blessed, stay prayed up, stay black. And I will see you all in my next episode. Bye.